We're going to pick up this evening in uh, James chapter 5, and we've been speaking in the last few Wednesdays about enemies of prayer, enemies of prayer. One is mental assent. We've dealt with this previously in this series, but let's deal with it again as an enemy of prayer. Mental assent is an enemy of prayer. What is mental assent? It is mentally accepting the word of God as true, but not acting upon it. It is admiring the word. A mental assenter may have confessed that they believe the word of God from Genesis to Revelation, but when it comes to acting on the word of God, they've never done it. You know, Fred Price used to mock this and say, you know, I believe the Bible from the table of contents to the concordance. You know, are you sick? Yes. You know, in other words, they believe, but they don't act in accordance with it. It's mental assent. And I've given these illustrations repeatedly over the years. I can believe that counting calories would help me keep my weight down. I'm believing the correct thing. But believing the correct thing doesn't help me. I can believe that exercise would make me feel better. And nobody could fault my believing. My believing is correct. But if I don't take action on that, it doesn't do me any good. And on and on and on, the illustrations could go. These people are like the person who knows all the ingredients that are in a certain dish that you can have for dinner, but they never actually cooked or prepared that recipe. Or they're like the person who cooks the dish, but they don't eat it, so it does them no good. You know, nobody would go be so foolish as to go see a doctor and find out what's wrong and get a prescription and go to the pharmacy and get the prescription filled and then not take the medicine. The medicine doesn't do you any good unless you take it. And the Bible says that a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. The Bible is a, is, is a kind of a medicine for all of our body, but it doesn't do us any good. You know, the Bible doesn't do us any good on the coffee table or the dashboard of the car. It doesn't even do us any good to read it like we would read a newspaper or a magazine. It has to be acted upon. The mental center is a failure. He, he may be a beautiful failure, but he is a failure. You know, there's something uh, that is grating on us, and I was determined not to bring it up, but here we go. Um, if somebody had asked me 10 years ago what would be the, uh, a big growing religious thing in Tarrant County, I might have said Islam, I might have said New Age, I might have, I might have come up with two or three ideas, but the thought would never have occurred to me that, one, uh, that something that would make a big surge would be Pentecostalism. It is amazing to me. You know, one of my fathers in the faith, Oral Roberts, said, don't, don't call yourself a Pentecostal, call yourself full gospel or call yourself a charismatic. And uh, I've always taken that middle road I grew up in a church where they taught the Word of God. And it wasn't chock full of emotionalism. They taught the Word of God. And so over the decades, soon I've been around some Pentecostalism. But, you know, we're, we're very open-minded people. The body of Christ is a big place. You know, 
when, when we are with Derek and Christina and we're going to James River and we go past the Russian Orthodox Church in Ozark, Missouri, I'm happy that the parking lot is full because anybody regular in church is probably not doing crime and other stuff. Do you understand? And that may not be my cup of tea. That may not be what I came up in, but it's Christianity. Do you understand? It's not uh, voodoo. It's not uh, Islam. It's not, uh, you know, Hinduism. It's just a different kind of Christianity that we're, than we're used to. We understand all of this. And so uh, I remember when uh, Derek and Christina first got married, I went on a ride along with Derek. And he was driving me by desolate areas, just, you know, watching for things that might be out of place. And he just, he, he kind of gave me a tour of the churches in Ozark, Missouri. And, you know, he took me by the, the Pentecostal place. And he said, they handle snakes in there. And uh, now let me ask you a question. Then he took me by First Baptist. Now let me ask you a question. The church where they handle snakes, do you think that is a, a big, fabulous, glitzy uh, place? No. What do you picture in your mind when I say they handle snakes in there? You picture like a little wood frame thing and the, the windows are boarded up and it's like, you know what I'm saying? In other words, look like a, like a glorified barn or tool shed. All right. So but here's the appeal. It appeals to it appeals to lazy people and it appeals to immature people. And one of the hallmarks, and this is astounding to me, you know, I do the annual Bible reading every year and I come across certain passages and I'm thinking, does nobody read the Bible? For example, they, they have children prophesy over each other in children's church. This is, this is ludicrous because Paul specifically said that if a prophecy is uttered, it has to be uttered where there are elders who can judge the prophecy. Well, if you're going to have children prophesying over each other in children's church, well, who's exactly doing the judging? And so, and, and, and then fads, they do fads, you know, uh, drink anointing oil, uh, Daniel fast, uh, you know. And, and I've been around the God enough. I've been around the power of God enough. I know this. Our bodies are not really designed to come in contact with God. And when our bodies come in contact with God, I understand. People, <laughs> they, they can, they can uh, let out a howl or they can fall or they can do some things. But in, in my entire life, I remember the... I believe it was the last time Lester Summerall was with us before he went to be with the Lord. I mean, it's done. The offer, church offer, worship's done, church offering's done. Lester Summerall spoke. We did a special offering for Lester Summerall. It's done. But it wasn't done, and I knew it. And he called Sue and me up to the stage. And the whole way up there, I thought, you know, because I'm Dr. Gene Lingerfeld. And I thought, I'm not going to fall. 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 I mean, man, I mean, I was, you know, because I'm cool, right? I, I can't be doing that. 
And, but man, that old apostle of faith laid his hands on us and the head usher said it sounded like a shotgun blast went off. And I mean, next thing I knew, I was waking up uh, horizontal. But what if I did that every week? See, then it becomes something to do. Then it becomes a show. Do you understand? The reason, tell your neighbor, he repeats, he repeats examples because you did not get it the first 900 times. So when I complained to him in 1989 about not ever having any money, he, said, he didn't say, son, you need to drink anointing oil. Son, you need to fall down. Son, you need to run a lap. Son, you need to, uh, you need to do a, a January Daniel fast. No, that's not what he said. He said, son, you never have any money because you never save any money. See, and that rung true in my heart because as someone who reads the Bible every year, the book of Proverbs talks about saving money. All right, so all of these things that people do, it's a, it's a kind of a spiritual whiskey. Their life sucks, so they drink. And that's the way I view Pentecostalism. Their life sucks, so they do these things to feel good about the life they have. And I can't take credit for it. It's the church I grew up in, but it's my father's in the faith. I never, saw the, I never saw Christianity as a way to feel better about a lousy situation. I always saw Christianity as my ticket to change my situation. Can you see the difference? But now, to change my situation, well, I gotta, I gotta take action. I gotta do something. It's like the young man that can't get a date, but he never gets a haircut. Or the young man can't get a date, but he doesn't have a job. You know? Or the gal that can't get a, can't get a, a date, but she never heard of makeup. Uh, see, all, everybody just, they just love all that. In other words, to get a certain result, well, I have to take certain actions. I got to do certain things to get to where I want to be. Now, that's true in the natural, but that's also true in the spiritual. See, in the mentalist center, you've heard me tell this story, maybe not a thousand times, but probably at least a hundred times. The last Kenneth Hagin meeting I ever went to, Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, was in Denver at Wally and Marilyn Hickey's church. And the first evening, we, Austin and I go to Papado's after the service, and he says, how has this message worked so well for you? But when I look around the room, I don't see that it's worked very well for others. And I pondered that, and I still ponder it. Here I am rehearsing it. But I think part of it is this right here. See, you can make a big noise about faith, but are you doing it? Yeah. 
See, you can make a big noise about success and prosperity, but are you doing it? You can make a big noise about faith, but are you doing it? And it's the doer that gets the life-changing experiences in life. That's true in the natural, but it's also true in the spiritual. And so, I mean, if somebody, let's say somebody did all of that every, every let's, well, they couldn't do it every seven days, but let's say they do all that all the time, man. They, they, they get hands laid on them, they fall down. And then what, what, what's grating on us is this. They call that signs, wonders, and miracles. <laughs> you have no idea how this irritates the H-E-L-L out of me. And, and then we get criticized because we don't have signs, wonders, and miracles. I don't know how many times I've said how many people have been healed at Faith Christian Center and half the crowd stand up. I mean, I don't even know how many people have been healed of cancer. And see, if you're healed of cancer, that's a sign, wonder, and a miracle. If you fall down, is that a sign, wonder, and a miracle? No. How about, how about paying Faith Christian Center off in 20? 20 in the year of the corona. See, that's a sign and a wonder and a miracle. Can you see that? These are all placebos. These are, you know, it's like, it's like the passy they give the baby. That's all it is. You know, to make, it ain't the real thing, but you know, the baby shuts up and feels better. <laughs> So the mental center is a failure. I'm sitting down there in Fort Worth one day buying a brand new 7 Series. I don't know which one it was. And I'm sitting there writing a check for it. And Austin's with me. And I, we, I told him, I said, people talk about signs, wonders, and miracles. I said, this, this, is, this, is, this is all I need to feel good. To, to write a check for a car. See, I would rather... I would rather be able to write a check for a car than have goosebumps. Yeah, that's right. I know this, I'd rather write a check for a car than fall down. Yeah. Amen. But see, the, we're talking about the mental center. And a lot of times the mental center, well, I mean, there, there's nothing, like B.B. King used to sing, ain't nothing shaking anyway. So they may as well go down to the place, you know, where they're whooping. You know, I'm sure there are people here. How many, how many here this evening grew up in a Pentecostal church? I'm, I'm not talking about spirit-filled, charismatic, cool, full gospel. I'm talking about a Pentecostal church. Let me see your hand. All right. Now, let me ask you a question. Did any of those whoopers have any money? No. Did it ever change their life? Anybody make forward progress? No. It's, it's feel good. And I'll tell you what, man, I feel good when I get my prayers answered. I feel good when, when I got no debt. I feel good, amen, amen when, I'm, when I'm forcefully advancing. Amen. amen. Can you see the difference? Yes. Well, the problem is, the problem is that the, the mental center, see, that's that lazy daisy. That's that, uh, that's that uh, immature Christian. It's like getting married, man. Somebody's got to go to work. Amen. You know, there comes a point, man, where that uh, that honeymoon ends, man. Somebody go, somebody got to go out there and go get after it. Amen. 
And, uh, and that's the same way here. You, you, there's certain things you got to do. See, see, all of that, all of that activity will, will not fix a man not loving his wife. All of that activity will not fix a woman not respecting her husband. All of that activity will not fix not spanking children. All of that activity will not fix not saving money. All of that activity will not fix not having a job. Can you see that? And so, you know, if you've been, in, if you've been at Faith Christian Center long enough, man, you know, you've seen people fall out. You've seen me dance. You've seen me run. You've seen a lot of things. But I'm not doing that all the time, 24-7, in other words, if, if God shows up, take over. I, I wish he would all the time because then I just ride. It's easy. But anybody who is honest about spiritual gifts understands you cannot pull a lever and orchestrate them. Amen. When God moves, let him move. Amen. But I, if, I cannot pull a lever and make a move. And... Kenneth Hagin, the one that went to be with the Lord in 2003, said, when you try and manipulate it, he said, you open yourself up to demon spirits. That's right. Because you're, when you try and manipulate it, you're operating in the flesh. And when you're trying to do spirit, when you're trying to do spiritual things in the flesh, you open yourself up to demon spirits. But I could ask the mentalist center, is the word of God true? And they say, yeah, it's true. I believe every word of it. But they're self-deceived because they're not doers of the word. James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. So if somebody says they believe the Bible and they don't do what it says, they're what? They're self-deceived. They're self-deceived. I'm telling my family probably at least once a month, that I feel sorry for people, but me feeling sorry for people doesn't help anybody. So my job, the way I see it is to show you the word of God and then do my best to motivate you to do the word of God because that's the only thing that's going to change your life is to do the word of God. That's the only thing that's going to change your life. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. And I, there's another criticism. People say, well, you know, he's teaching us to do all this stuff, you know, and I don't want to do all that. Well, it, it leads to freedom. Amen. I mean, I, I don't have grown children that are, causing me trouble I mean I'm not supporting anybody you know I have no pain in my body <laughs> I've only got I think one thing left on my prayer list with my body I mean God has healed me and healed me and healed me and healed me and healed me I, I think I'm down to one thing <laughs> well and that's shouting territory. 
Because I bet we got people in their 20s and they got more than one thing on their list with regard to their body. So it, it brings me freedom. It doesn't bring me bondage. It's not a hassle. It brings me freedom. Amen. See, when a man, I'm talking about basic New Testament instructions. When a man loves his wife, when a, when a wife respects her husband, when you discipline children biblically without provoking them to wrath, when you save money, that is Old Testament, when, when you tithe, when you give above and beyond the tithe, this all leads to freedom. It leads to freedom. And I'm into freedom. Amen. 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 But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Say it out loud. He'll be blessed in what he does. Blessed See, we're blessed in the doing. We're blessed in the doing. And I think people have seen Christianity as a license. And, and of course, the, the, the logical end game of what they're teaching and preaching out there is Marcionism. It's an ancient heresy. And that is that it doesn't matter how we live. <laughs> Who can believe this stuff? It just amazes me that it doesn't matter how you live. If you don't rob a bank, you have a greater chance for freedom than if you rob a bank. If you don't cheat on your wife, you have a, a, a lower chance of being murdered while you sleep than if you don't cheat on your wife. Do you understand these things? Tell your neighbor, it absolutely does matter how you live. And then there, this drinking thing drives me crazy. I need all of my wits every waking moment. I don't need my faculties diminished. <laughs> you know, I, I, wish, I wish I could get an IQ download myself. I, but but to, to put, some, put a thief in my mouth to steal my brains? But, but see, they say it doesn't matter how you live. It absolutely matters how you, how you live. Jesus described the doer in the last illustration of the Sermon of the Mount. The doer is the one who dug deep. Sounds like work. Dug deep, went down to the rock and built his house thereon. The mental, the mental center built his house on the sand. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice. Tell your neighbor, pastor did not invent this. Tell the neighbor on the other side, pastor did not invent this. Hears these words and puts them into practice. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like the wise man. Oh, oh, now we have a new adjective. So the man who hears the word and puts the word into practice is what kind of a man? A wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So if we hear the word and we put the word into practice, Jesus says we're what kind of a person? Wise. Wise. And if we hear the word and we don't put it into action, Jesus says we're what kind of a person? Foolish. Foolish. 
The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. All right, another enemy of prayer is actually praying for faith. Praying for faith. I used to do this in Bible school. How many times have we gone to the altar or to the prayer room to pray for more faith? And what a delusion it was. You never heard of anybody. You have never one time heard of anybody getting more faith after they prayed for more faith. You have never heard of it. Never heard of it. Not, not even as an exception. You've never heard of it. I mean, I could stand here and cite some exceptions. For example, when Finus Jennings Dake was baptized in the Holy Spirit, Instead of the gift of speaking in tongues, that came to him later. But initially, God gave him the Bible in the King James Version. We've said in many services, and he would challenge the crowd to give him chapter and verse or to, or to cite a phrase out of the King James Bible. Either way, you give him, you say, you know, Hosea 2.9, and he could rattle it off, or you give him a phrase, and he could tell you where it was. It was a gift. That's an exception. But nobody's ever heard of anybody praying for more faith and getting more faith. I mean, not even as an exception. It just doesn't happen. And the reason is because the prayer for faith is a prayer based in unbelief. When you pray for faith, you're, you're telling Father God you don't have any faith. And the word says you do. If unbelief were not your master, you wouldn't need faith. So praying for faith is absolute proof that you will not get it, and you're actually insulting the father by asking for something he already gave you. I mean, if a child said, Mom, I want you to increase my faith in you. I've been trying all morning to believe that what you said about that trip Saturday was true, the child would be insulting his mother. So when you pray for faith, you're insulting the author of the word. You don't intend to, but you are. Let's go back to Pentecostalism because another enemy of faith is depending on another person's faith. Say it out loud. Depending, Depending on, another person's faith. on another person's faith. You know, in that great testimony that Austin read a couple of weeks back, he said the dirty little secret is you have to have your own faith. There are times, especially with the new believer, where a new believer will go to another believer and tell them their situation and that believer will lay hands on them or speak the word over them or agree with them in prayer and God answers the new believer. But the longer we walk with God, the more God expects us to grow up in our own faith. And I've heard this over the years. You know, when I got saved, man, it just seemed like every prayer got answered. But, but now that I've been saved a while, that, that seems to have tapered off. Well, the reason is because God expects you to grow up. You know, we just have come through Thanksgiving. We're headed into Christmas. Uh, anybody been around some little tiny children here in recent days? Aren't they cute? You know, Emily's vocabulary is growing exponentially now, but before she had many words. It was just this volume all the time, you know, just trying to get everybody's attention. But, uh, and that's cute. But it's not cute when you're 50. Right? <laughs> right? right? In other words, it's cute when they're two, but it's... Uh, <laughs> 
You know, when, you're, when your husband acts like a baby, that's not cute. So God expects us to grow up. Another enemy of prayer is our dependence on other people's faith. In doing this, we unconsciously become what E.W. Kenyon called spiritual hitchhikers. And this is one of the biggest problems in the full gospel churches across the land. People want to do nothing, not read their Bible, not tithe, not give, not be a doer of the word and not pray. But then when some tragedy strikes, they want someone else to pray and work a miracle for them. Hence, that leads to a lot of these things that we are seeing, what I call Pentecostalism. The greatest trial, trials of my life, God met me there. The two times I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death, God met me there. And I'm grateful. But I could live the rest of my days and not need another miracle. I'd just rather not. I mean, I'd rather just be perfectly healthy and all my needs met and money in the bank and not need a miracle. That would be my preference. See, and that's the blessing of the Lord. Signs of the covenant, Moses called it. Prosperity is not the covenant, but it's one of the signs of the covenant telling you you're on the right road. I've, I've told this illustration at least 50 times. If, if you head out tonight after church and, and you're going to Oklahoma City and you drive an hour and you see a sign that says Houston so many miles, what would you conclude? You're on the wrong road. So you have to what? You have to take remedial action and you got to reverse course and get to where you need to be. Can you see that? And so, you know, if you're, if you're brand newly minted college graduate and you don't have any money, perfectly understandable. But if you're 40 years old and you don't have any money, you're going to Houston. You're not going to Oklahoma City. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're on the wrong, right. you're on the wrong road. You need, to, you need to take remedial action. And the same thing is true spiritually. This is why answers to prayer are just huge. Because as the year goes by, 2024, as the year goes by, 2024, if, if you get to February, March, April, May, June, July, and you've not received one answer to prayer, it's time for a remedial action. Time to make a course correction. It's time to change. Now, we don't maybe get an answer to prayer every day, every week, maybe not even every month. We don't get a miracle every day, every week, maybe not every month. But we should be getting answers along the way. Because that is a sign that we're at least headed in the right direction. We may not be dialed into true north, but we're at least headed in the general correct direction. Does that make sense? 
paying stuff off. These are signs. It's not the covenant, but it, it, these are signs along the road telling me that I'm on the right way. You know, when, when Sue and I first got married, we might have had uh, more fights than we do now. Well, if, you, if you've been married 10 years and you're still fighting like cats and dogs, you're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. Somebody somewhere needs to take some remedial action and do something different. I like being married 47 years. I remember, you know, the first year or two of marriage. I, I mean, I missed uh, Valentine's Day or whatever. Man, it was just a big issue. And I thought, what the heck? And every, everything, every, everything had to have a card, an Easter card. I, I didn't get her an Easter card. Who gets somebody an Easter card? <laughs> but it was a big deal, you know what I'm saying? But, but I, so I like being married 47 years because, you know, none of that matters now. <laughs> but I'm saying, if, you, if, you, if you're still at each other like you were in the beginning, you, you need to take some remedial action because there ought to be a, a growing up financially. There should be a growing up in marriage, there should be a growing up in God. Amen. There should be a growing up in getting your prayers answered. There should be a, a growing up financially. The Apostle Paul wrote in Romans 10, 17 in the King James, so then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And yet in 40 years since we pioneered Faith Christian Center, nearly everyone with a tragic story hasn't been in church. Basic, fundamental. It was most likely the Apostle Paul. I just read Hebrews the other day. Nobody else would have had the mental horsepower to write uh, the book of Hebrews. And somebody would say, well, it doesn't exactly have the same language as some of the other epistles. Well, he probably had a different scribe. I read 1 Peter today. And he, at the end of 1 Peter, he gives credit that Silas was his scribe. When I was in second year Greek at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, I hated it when they wanted us to translate verses out of 2 Peter because he didn't have a scribe. And the grammar is awful and you cannot make heads or tails out of it. As a, as a student, you know, one of these PhD Greek scholars can, but I mean... You know, when you get to 2 Peter, the rules do not apply. So, Hebrews. But he says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, especially as you see the day approaching. In 2 Peter, I just read that this afternoon, he was saying that the coming of the Lord, the return of the Lord is, is imminent. That was his perspective 2,000 years ago. And then everything we see in the news, if there's ever a day to see the day approaching, it's now. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But all of these tragedies, and you understand, I feel sorry for people, but me feeling sorry for people doesn't help them. And they're, they're all unnecessary. They're all unnecessary. You know, pastor, we're going to lose our house. Well, yeah, well, you haven't, you haven't been working. 
You know, pastor, my wife left her. Yeah, well, you've been throwing beer bottles at her. You know, pastor, my wife filed for divorce. Yeah, well, you don't have a job. I mean, it's all predictable. It's not like, it's not like a group of demons pulls up in the middle of the night in a, in a, in a, uh, a van and steals your stuff or something. In other words, it's, it's, it's action that is wrong or it's inaction on the right that brings the trouble. The woman not loving her husband, the man, uh, the, the, the man not loving his wife, the, the woman not respecting her husband. It's basic stuff. It's basic stuff. It's basic stuff. And it's all in the Bible. And, and then people get upset whenever you get on their thing, whatever their thing is. Maybe when I talked about whiskey earlier, I, I, I offended somebody and we'll never see you again. Uh, you know, in other words, whatever it is, people, and that, but that's the word, man, because if, if you're going to stand, if you're going to stand and preach the word of God, you're going to get to every topic eventually. Amen. You know what the next miracle coming up in the, in the New Testament is? Man, it's a screamer. You're going to love it. Shout, dance, run. God killing Ananias and Sapphira. That's the next miracle in the New Testament. Man, we're going to be shouting. Man, we're going to be swinging from the chandeliers. Man, we're going to have us a time. God killed them. Now, there's a sign and a wonder and a miracle. Maybe some of these churches ought to get Why did he do that? Well, because they lied. They lied. Barnabas sold a piece of land and gave all the money into the gospel. And they wanted to pretend that they were like him. They sold a piece of land and they gave some of the money. There would have been no problem if they had said, we sold this piece of land and we're giving some of the money. But they pretended that they were like Barnabas. And the crazy thing is, you know what happened? I think that's miracle 39. You know what happened after that? Church attendance skyrocketed in Jerusalem. It was a miracle. But it's not the one you and I are believing for, right? <laughs> I said it's, it's not the one you and I are believing for, right? But it's preventable. These disasters are pre preventable. It's all preventable. It's all preventable. To every man and woman, God has given a measure of faith. We dealt with this. This is what the 2018 Holy Week Revival was all about, mountain-moving faith. To every man and woman, God has given a measure of faith. The measure of faith with the new creation came when you received the Father's nature, that nature of sonship, that you receive from the Father at the new birth experience is the faith nature. God doesn't have a doubt nature. God has a faith nature. And so when, when you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, you receive the nature of God into your life. And God's nature is not a doubt nature. God's nature is a faith nature. God is a faith God. That's something that Sue and I learned from Finest Jenning Day back in the 70s. Everybody say it out loud. God, our God, our God 
is a faith God. He operates by faith and he responds to faith. That's who he is. See, if he was somebody else, we'd have to study that. There's no point, there's no point. You know, and I, I hope you do, I hope, I hope you do understand all that they're doing. The surgeries, the hormones, the hormone drugs, the mRNA. I hope you see it's all the same thing. It's singular. It is man playing God. So what they're doing is they want to remake man in their image. See, they're pedophiles. They want everybody to be pedophile. They're confused. They want everybody to be confused. You understand? So they're trying to remake society in their image. But that's what people do to God. I've done my best over 50 years to honestly present who he is. Find out who he is and then cope. And the the beautiful thing is, (laughs) I'm so grateful. I spend a third of my prayer time entering his gates with thanksgiving and entering his courts with praise because listen, We had no say in this. If we had been born into a world and God was evil, what could we do about it? If we had been born into a world and God was capricious, what could we do about it? If we had been born and found out God was vengeful, what could we do about it? If we we were born and found out God was unkind, what could we do about it? Because we're little nothings compared to him. But when you actually deal with the reality of who he is, we find out that he's kind. We find out that he's gracious. We find out that he's forgiving. We find out that his mercies are new every morning. We we find out that the only adjective that he ever used to describe himself was love. We should be shouting all the time. I mean, what a beautiful, wonderful place to be born into. Because we had no control over the character of God. He is who he is. So he is a faith God. And when we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, he, he inhabits us. This now becomes his temple. You know, in 2014, we were in Israel, and I I still remember having coffee in the morning, in the early morning, in the cool of the day in Jerusalem. And, and you know, I I was thinking years later, I thought, I'm going to go back. Sue said, I don't want to go back. Uh, Because, you know, just going to Bethlehem, oh, my gosh, the crossover into the Palestinian territories. Oh, my gosh. Uh, What a nightmare. And... uh, I don't, Sue says, I said, well, I, I told the Lord, I said, I don't care if she wants to go or not, we're going. And he spoke to me. He said, son, that's really nice. 
that you want to have coffee in the morning and the cool of the day in Jerusalem. But he said, son, I don't live there anymore. He said, I live in you. And he said, I have coffee with you every day. He's so wonderful. I said, he is so wonderful. What a privilege. What an honor to know him, to be called by his name. But wait a minute, to have some of his nature in us. So one of the things I have to cope with is he's a faith God. He's not the begging God. How many of you have ever gone to God begging? Let me see your hand. I got my hand up. Oh, please, 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 won't you? Did you ever get an answer? No? Stone cold silence is all I ever got. Pleading. Anybody ever gone to God pleading? I got my hand up. Did you get an answer? Anybody? Now here's, we'll see who the truth tellers are. Anybody here ever gotten mad at God and boycotted him for a day or two or three? I got my hand up. <laughs> see? Yeah? Did you get, a, did you get an answer? <laughs> we have to cope with who he is. And who he is is a faith God. He's looking for faith. The Bible says so. Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find... He did not say, when the Son of Man returns, will he find Daniel fast on the earth. When the Son of Man returns, will he find fallen down on the earth. When the Son of Man returns, will he find uh, swinging from the chandeliers on the earth. He's looking for something. He's looking for something. He's looking for something. And what's he looking for? Faith. Faith in what? Faith has to have an object. He's looking for people who have faith in his word. And he answers them. And that's a sign and a wonder and a miracle. The very fact that we get an answer. That's a sign and a wonder and a miracle. Romans 12, 3, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Now, he's not talking about everybody on the planet because Romans was written to the believers in Rome. He's saying God has given to every believer a measure of faith, a measure of faith. Do you remember when Howard Cosell got fired? I mean, he, had a, he, he, was like, he was like a sports broadcaster my entire life, and he got fired because he was talking about one race having more muscles in their body than another race. Of all the stupid things. You know, if you're going to say something stupid, say it in private. You know, not like nationwide. We all have the same number of muscles. Anybody with an IQ above room temperature knows that. But when you look around the room, we obviously have not done the same thing with our muscles. But we all have the same number of muscles. Now a baby, aren't they cute when they're all pudgy? They got all that collagen in their skin. They're all pudgy. They have the same muscles I do. Same number. They're just not grown. So faith is like that. I've been given, see a baby in the nursery tonight, you know, they've been given 
muscles, a certain number of muscles. And then as they get older, and when they get up into junior high school, high school, well, they have to do something with them or they won't develop, they won't grow. They'll atrophy. My poor mom, I think she was 89, had caught the flu, not, not COVID, the flu, went into the hospital for that. But just in the time she was in the hospital, she atrophied. Then she had to go to rehab. And the, the, the president everybody's worshiping and his minions had all these rules, we couldn't go see her. And she just threw in the towel. That was it. The nurse would call Sue and say, she didn't want to live. She didn't. But if you lay in bed, you atrophy. And if you don't do anything spiritually, you atrophy. And what's, what's Jesus looking for when he comes back to the earth? What's he looking for tonight? What's he going to be looking for tomorrow morning when you get up and pray? He's going to be looking for faith. But the way we develop faith is not by praying for faith. The way we develop faith is by taking action on the word of God. God meets us there and we get stronger. You know, I've done this over and over and over and a thousand more and overs with money. Just take action. God meets you there. Wow. You get stronger. You don't get weaker. At the new birth experience, we were all given the measure of faith, but some of us have developed that measure of faith more than others. And just as you develop mental strength by certain mental exercises and you develop physical strength by certain physical exercises, you are to develop your faith by feeding on the Word of God and by taking action on the Word of God. It is taking action on the Word of God that builds faith. That's the only way I know to do it. In fact, that's the only way I see it from the writings of the Apostle Paul, to do it, to build faith. I've got to take action on what the Word says. Now, let me say one more thing, and I'm going to quit. That's a great place to quit, John 15, 7. And that is this. How about in 2024, we do not stay where we are? How about in 2024, we do what we saw a couple of Sundays ago in Acts chapter 3, the wonderful miracle of Peter and John at the gate called Beautiful. How about we just get outside of ourselves a little bit? Amen. See, because if you just keep operating at the level you're at, you're, you're not going to go beyond the level you're at. If you want to go beyond the level you're at, well, you got to step outside of yourself. Amen. And we can do that financially. Sure, we can do that financially. <laughs> but we can... We can do that by talking to somebody about Jesus. We can, we can do that by offering to pray for someone. I've never in my life offered to pray for someone and them say, them say no, not one time. <laughs> Most people, their attitude is they'll take all the help they can get. So, you know, and you, I, I know you have to be discreet. You sure don't want to end up in human resources. Uh, but, you know, find a way to do it. How about this? Instead of going to happy, instead of going to happy hour, how about how about praying with them after work, when when the HR doesn't have any authority? But we need to get outside of ourselves. We need to get out of our comfort zone. We need to stop doing what we've been doing, and we need to find ways to take action on the Word of God. And I know this. I do know this. 
And I can say it without any equivocation, God will meet us there. When we step out and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, confirming the word. Not them, he didn't confirm them. Confirming the word with signs following. It's the word, the word, the word. He confirms the word. So when I hear the word, I get stronger. When I take action on the word of God, my faith grows. But frankly, it can turn into a bless me club. And, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with being blessed. But if you have not noticed, in 2023, the world is going to hell in a handbasket. And too many people are looking to a politician to fix it. I, I don't see how it's even possible. It is so messed up from A to Z. The only possibility is a revival. And you might say, well, what in the world could I do about a revival? Well, we can do our part. We can, we can win somebody to Jesus. We can offer to pray for somebody. They brought us a woman here. This was a couple of years back, about this time of year, somebody that had prayed for somebody at work. And this woman had the scans. Her body was full of cancer in the, in the one scan. And then she had a scan and there was no cancer at all. And Sue and I never laid a hand on her, never prayed for her. It was a member of this congregation prayed for somebody at work. And it's stuff like that that gets the world's attention. And that's what we need. We need the world's attention. Amen. Not on us, but focused on him. Amen. Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 God bless you.